Five, four, three, two, one. We're in the pipe. Five by five. This is the Five on Film podcast. Hello and welcome to Five on Film, the podcast where we break down the top five in the world of film. I'm your host, Paul Cree, and joining me again, the Five on Film panel, John. Hello. Matt. Hello, everybody. Chris. Hello, hello. And Ollie, unfortunately, can't be with us this week. So we have another guest for the show, welcoming Anna. Hello, Anna. Hey, hey, how are you all? Good, good. Doing good. Very well. Good to have you here, Anna. Not, honestly, nice to be here, if not slightly nerve-wracking. <laughs> You'll do good. You'll do good. You'll do good, I'm sure. Indeed. Um, before we let everybody know today's topic, here's how the show works. We've got three rounds. Nomination, elimination, ranking. Uh, first, we're each going to nominate a film that we believe deserves to be on the top five this week um, and why it should be there. If two or more of us agree, it's going to go on our initial list and... Hopefully, we'll hit seven films. Once we've got our seven, we're going to eliminate two, leaving us with five, and then we're going to rank that five to give us the definitive five on film for this week. Uh, as we have a guest, like we try and do, we invite our guest to pick the week's topic. So, Anna, what are we doing this week and why are we doing it? Um, you might ask. Um, well, um, I originally... I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? It's, there's so many different subjects. It, originally, I suggested like foreign films, but obviously that would have been slightly excessive. Um, so I tried to narrow it down with um, gender swap roles. So sort of women playing roles that originally sort of are for men. So like Hilary Swank, Boys Don't Cry, Sigourney Weaver, Alien. But actually, the more I discussed it and thought about it, um, it was decided that actually gender swap films was probably a better topic and you could sort of narrow it down a bit more. And also, I feel like there's a huge variety of films, um, you know, heartbreaking, dark, fun. Um, I, I just thought that might be a better fit. Um, so, yeah, top five gender swap films. Nice, nice. Um, well, as you're our guest as well, you get to make the first nomination for this week. So what do you think the first film that deserves to be on this list of top five gender swap films? Okay, well, I've had a bit of back and forth on this. There was three contenders and then, um, and I've got to really thank Matt for suggesting this film, um, it's Tangerine. It's a, it's a film by Sean Baker. Um, I've never heard of Sean Baker. I hadn't even heard of the film. It was sort of made in 2015. Um, yeah. It's set in downtown LA and it's two transgender prostitutes um, and they're both played by trans women, which I don't think has ever happened before. Um, so you meet the two main characters, Cinderella and Alexandra. Um, Cinderella's just come out of prison. She's been there for 28 days. She's excited to be back. She's going to meet her boyfriend, stroke pimp. And then she sort of gets the news from her best mate, Alexandra, that um, the boyfriend has been cheating on her with another woman. Um, this woman's called a fish, which is sort of slang for a biological female. So Cindy is absolutely up on her, in arms and um, needs to find this woman. Um, but it's Christmas Eve as well. So she starts going on this, she's 
she goes from like naught to a hundred very quickly and she needs to find this woman who they sort of think is called Dina Destiny Dolores. That's all they've got to go on. Um, so with that in mind, they go rampaging, well, uh, rampaging around LA and, it, and you just sort of see how that journey ends. I mean, it sounds terrible, but um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, there's a lot going on. Like both characters have got massive personalities. I felt like the dialogue was super quick, witty. The scene, it's all, I think the most amazing thing about this film, which I didn't realize till halfway through, was that it was all shot on iPhones, like iPhone 5s, yep. um, which I thought was, I did not realize, and I don't think you would have been able to tell. I certainly couldn't. Um, apparently it was like 115 pounds anamorphic lens. And then this like filmic pro app for seven pounds. Um, but it's just really, it feels it's, it feels like nothing I've seen in a long time. It's like a really independent, polished looking film with lots of laughs, a lot of um, like really quite poetic, beautiful moments between the two main characters. Um, you know, there's a scene in a laundrette where Cindy has gone through quite a traumatic time and they sort of, they're sitting there, they've had to shovel their clothes in the washing machine. You know, they're just in their bras and they exchange wigs. You know, it's just delightfully done, but also as well, I loved the soundtrack. Um, it's all trap music. So it's, you know, very synth, bassy drums. Um, and it really, you really feel the emotions through the music and the pace of the film is really quick because the music sort of moves you along. And one other thing which I really loved about it was, oh, there's one film, but there's one scene, sorry, um, and it's in a car wash. And I won't tell you obviously what happens in the car wash, but I mean, it was incredible. It, it was outrageous, but it was incredible and beautiful to watch, even though what's actually going on is um, slightly dark. But yeah, the, the, the seedy underbelly of downtown LA, you know, when you're filming a scene with a prostitute in a cab, in a car wash, you can imagine. Um, but actually it was really well done. And for that, I feel like that's, and at this point as well, I'd watched quite a lot of films involving ABBA. So I'm <laughs> so pleased, so pleased to have some like, like trap music blasting out in this insane car wash scene um, where you don't see anything, but you can totally, your imagination. It, I mean, it was, it was really well done. <laughs> Yes. Uh, for that reason, it was a breath of fresh air, this film. I really liked the two main characters. I loved that, you know, the lead characters were played by trans women. Um, I loved the way every shot felt like it was, it had a purpose, but it was, you weren't just looking at the actors, you were also looking at what was behind them. Uh, you know, a lot of the scenes were in like a donut shop. Um, you got a real feeling of where they were. And I just thought for that, and the fact that it was done on iPhones was, blew my mind definitely that's the film my that's the film for me okay uh chris have you seen tangerine and what do you think i'm embarrassed to say that i've not seen it yet i'm afraid i'm sorry anna no worries i, uh, I did okay. not have time to see that one no worries john have you seen tangerine yeah i've seen i i've seen i found tangerine for this uh um 
that I I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I hadn't caught up with it before because uh, consider, considering our background, technically this is a film to watch um, to to find new ways of uh, doing what we do. Um, it is it's lovely. It, it's it's so so down. It's so down to earth, but it, it's just a it's just a amazing piece of almost it almost real life it's like uh made made in chelsea as if they were actually doing it for the first time <laughs> instead of idea, instead yeah. of script instead of scripting it um it uh, and it's and um i i love the i love the uh, the foreign taxi driver and his family um the the interfering mother-in-law and yeah i it I, 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 you don't re you don't really get a sense of it being Christmas, although it definitely was, it definitely was filmed at Christmas, um, because it's LA, um, it's an LA Christmas. It's really weird, but just I the act the actors just sell it mm. perfectly. It, it, it it's 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 wonderful. Um, yeah, I think it should, I think it should go on the list. I, th I think it's I mean. I, Strangely, I think it's one of the few films with that we'll talk about today, which actually has trans transgender people actually play playing themselves. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, um, it, it for me, it should it should be on the list. Out of interest, what what year was it released? Two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Okay. He's made. Um, Sean Baker's made another one since, uh, set in Florida. Florida Project. It's That's it. If, if you get a chance to see that, it's absolutely fantastic, fantastic yeah. film. Um, so, but they, this was the what this was the one that he broke through with. So Matt, um, you recommended this to Anna. Does that mean? Well, in, I, I, it wasn't me. I think I think it was John. I'll be honest. I think oh, John okay. first put it down on um, on our little chit chat group and. Um, I'd seen it there and thereabouts before, and I just hadn't approached it. Um, and I'll be honest, I hadn't approached it because of the subject matter. And I thought to myself, well, do you know what? I just, I've had it in my watch list for such a long time. I'm just going to throw it away because I'm, ne I'm never going to be in the mood for it. And ironically, this, this pod came around and this was our, happened to be our subject. And it popped up. I was like, Christ, that was that, that, was that film um, that Sean Baker did. And I, I, I obviously done my little deep dive and 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 it, this was quite well recognized it did very well at Sundance um in that year and um Sean Baker had gone on to do the Florida Project um which had been nominated for an Oscar a couple of years ago I think um as writer and director I think as well which again I will reiterate is a fantastic film with Willem Dafoe very similar different uh, topic but very similar um if not better than this one um so anyway, yeah, I, to, to cut a long story short, yes, I wholeheartedly would, would, would put this through. Um, it isn't without its faults, obviously. It's, um, it's, it's an indie film through and through. If there was ever an indie film that you would say, you know, this is, this is, this is uh, uh, um, parceled and packaged, this is an indie film, this is what an indie film is, is, is this. Um, you know, shot on a micro budget on, on technology that is available to, to every person on the street. And they did such a wonderful job with it. Um, 
I have issues with it. You know, I'll go into it a bit in a bit more detail further on with the films that I, I sort of put down on the list as well. But I did struggle a lot with films that I perhaps in, didn't enjoy watching, but from a from a from a critical cinematic point of view, I could view them. No, no, you know, that's what we assess films at on a base yeah. level. Yes, we have enjoyment, but we also look at them in a critical way. And um, a lot of these films, I wouldn't necessarily see again. Um, I'm not sure I would watch this film again, but I wholeheartedly appreciate for what it is and the fact that yes, this topic that we're on today. Um, as John said, this is perhaps one of the only films that can tick every single box, including actors, actresses, um, uh, that would come under the trans um, and the, the gender identity, uh, you know, the whole topic that we're, we're going for today is this. And I, I, I did, it did seem a lot similar to me to, uh, I don't know whether any of you have seen any of the Safdie brothers films, which is, um, they I did one recent, yeah, they did well, Uncut Gems done. with Weather yeah. I'm Sandler recently. And uh, a few years before that, I did Good Time with, with Robert Pattinson. It's that kind of guerrilla street filmmaking that has a sense of incredible urgency about it. And this, you know, this, these two women are going hellbent across LA um, and sod anyone that gets in their path. And I did find the dialogue very difficult to follow sometimes, very difficult to follow. I just couldn't hear it. It was so quick. Um, and it, a lot of it, I'd imagine, was improvised. I'd imagine. Um, but yeah, it had some wonderful moments. And let's face it, at the end of the day, those who've seen it, it it's about friendship, you know. Right down to the end, it's a really lovely finish to the movie. Lovely when, as as Anna said, when they're sat in the the laundrette, she's just been the only time someone's been called a racial slur is at the end of the movie, and it brings it home to you that you know these women go through shit out there, um, but yet they can still have friends no matter what. Uh, and it is it is it is a really good film. I wouldn't say that it's it's something I would ever watch again, but. I think we do have to put it on the list, I'll be honest. Um, I did to and fro about this one, but yes, I would put it on the list. It has made the list. It has three votes. Um, this is a movie that I watched yesterday. I watched it for this list. Um, it's it's like you, Matt. It's been sat in my watch list on a streaming service for a long time. Uh, I'd heard very good things about it and I'd wanted to watch it and it just never got around to it. Um, and this gave me the impetus to watch it. Um, I unfortunately would have said no, um, just because I've got a few things that have ended up higher. Um, but I did think it was a very well-made film considering uh, the budgetary constraints. Um, I thought it was great to see the representation on screen. Um, and it was it was a lovely story, but um, I think possibly just its frenetic pace um, mm, yeah. took me out a little bit um, for, personally. Um, and I mean, so, some people have loved that um, that element of it, and and, and that's a great thing. Um, but yeah, for me, it would have been it is by no means a bad film, and I think it's a film that um, should that be seen. Definitely, should yeah. should be seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for me, it was uh, it was outside of my top seven, um, so I would have said no. But that's irrelevant because it has three votes. So Anna, your first nomination, Tangerine, has made our initial list. 
Hey. Good work. <laughs> I have to say, I have to say in this film, there, there, there is one scene, like Anna mentioned in the car wash, um, that is, is, is pretty remarkable. And I, I never thought I'd be sat on the train um, watching this movie on my tablet yeah, with what was, was happening in that car wash. And um, yeah, and there was part, you know, I, I don't really get on with films where I, ha- I see people being physically sick. And there's a, there's a scene where a couple who are very drunk in the back of a taxi oh, yeah. being very realistically sick. And I, I honestly, I just, I couldn't handle it. I had to stop the film for 10 minutes. I just felt, I felt sick watching it. It was very uncomfortable that, yes, I do agree. Um, right. Well, we have one. Um, Chris, have you got a second one for this list? So um, when Anna and I originally uh, discussed the the theme, the topic for for this week, um, we were sort of uh, several films came to mind, um, and I noticed that in my kind of short list that um, a lot of musicals have uh, been made featuring uh, gender swap um, and transgender people, um, and I wanted to nominate a couple of those films, uh, put them on my list, should I say, but uh, I'm wary that we've got musicals coming up, uh, so I want to hold them back. So that's kind of made my list quite different. I was also wary that a lot of the films I picked, um, or rather had gone into my top five, uh, are all men playing women rather than the other way around. Um, so I, I would want to stress to the audience that, um, that although um, my list has come up with uh, five films where it's all men playing women, uh, that there are several films that have just missed out on my top five, uh, which are the other way around with women playing men. Um, so with Saying that, uh, I would like to nominate Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert from 1994. Uh, It's a brilliant film, uh, Australian film, about um, two um, drag queens and one transgender um, uh, woman uh, who travel. It's a road movie. They they get a bus and they travel across... um, Australia and a time uh, when uh, transgender people and uh, drag queens were really not accepted in uh, mainstream life in Australia um, uh, or very much across the Western world, in fact, really. Um, and it's, it's beautifully shot. It, uh, it won an Oscar for Best Costumes. Um, it, uh, it's really funny. Uh, I saw it when it first came out. I, well, I didn't go to cinema, but um, I saw it when it was came out on Sky. Um, so I was probably 15 or 16. And I had no idea about that uh, sort of culture and, and that um, really that these people existed. I, I was just, I don't know, it just never came into my sphere. Um, and I, I thought it was brilliant. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it, uh, it's a fantastic film with three fan- amazing performances, uh, Hugo Weaving, um, Guy Pearce and Terence Stamp, uh, great actors. Um, 
and uh, it, yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic film. So that's that is my nom. Um, I should say that it um, is a positive portrayal of, of uh, LGBT individuals, and it helped to introduce LGBT themes um, to the mainstream audience um, when a time in a time when that just wasn't a, a thing. Yep. Um, John, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Have you seen this one? Does um, it deserve to be there? It, uh, this is actually a, a, a family favourite. Um, with uh, uh, Basically, it came out um, at a time when um, I was still kind of around, around home. So my mum my kind of had it on DVD, and it's one that got put on quite a bit. Um, it's it's lovely. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try and get the quote right. It's uh, oh that's all we need a cock in a frock on a rock. Um, <laughs> Perfectly. Yeah, but basically, um, it's it's great. Um, Terence Ter Stamp um, playing a trans transgendered woman um, is it's such a. It's such a slight. It's such a gentle performance, actually. Is it kind of like an old matriarch who's who's lost her partner? It it and um, it kind it kind of hits a lot of bases because uh, Hugo Weaving's character has actually the whole reason they're going cross country is because his his wife uh, and his son are um, are. are um, working in a in a hotel and uh he's been asked to be to be the um featured act um at, at the hotel um and he's he's worrying about how his son will see him um and then you and then you got guy pierce who's just wonderfully extravagantly camp and enjoying it every every single step of the way um it's that I, yeah, it's beautiful. It's got this, it's got that weird Australian black sarcastic edge to it. Um, it's got, um, it's got this long distance runner who starts off about the same time as Priscilla starts. And they kind of, they kind of pace each other through the outback. It just, it just shot every so often of this woman pull it, pulling this trailer with a beeping noise on it, with a beeping flashing light on it, it's 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 excellent, and I think it should definitely be on the list. Okie dokie, uh, Matt, Priscilla, what do you think? Um, I absolutely love Priscilla Queen of Desert. I, I think it's it's such a fantastic performance by all three but in particular Terence Stamp. I've been a big fan of Terence Stamp for many 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 years, and I think he just he just anchors this whole film together. Um, Hugo Weaving is fantastic um, as 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 the main character. You know, you've got these these three of them. They are all all different characters um, in an in and of themselves. Um, and as John said, the matriarch being being Ter Terence Stamp, and he's just given some of the most glorious lines. Um, as John said, you know, one of my fa favorite ones is when they're they're in the bar. They're in the bar and the first place they, they stop. Um, 
which I forget the name of, um, but it's where all the pearls come from in, in Australia. I did have it written down somewhere. But the, you've got this but you've got this complete opposite. You've got this butch woman that comes in and she starts hassling them at the bar. And he just comes up and he says to her, now listen here, you mullet. Why don't you just light your tampon and blow your box apart? Because it's the only bang you're ever going to get, sweetheart. And he plays it in such a beautifully deadpan way that it just floors you as the audience and it floors the rest of the bar. And you're thinking, what the hell is going to happen now? You know, what's going to happen in this redneck backwater Australian bar? And, and, you know, all the guys just start bursting out laughing and he just puts her in a place. It's absolutely fantastic. And it cements the whole film together for me. Glorious cinematography, beautiful locations across Australia, um, places that I would love to visit. Um, the first time that they ascend the top of the, um, of the, the bus, which they got off some Swedish guys, um, with the giant, I mean, you're never going to forget the scene with, with a giant silver glittery shoe on top of the, um, of the bus with, uh, I believe it's um, uh, a guy Pierce with his silver dress. And it's just absolutely fantastic. Just, I, I love it. I think it's, 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 it's so funny as well. You just forget how funny it is. Every time I see it, there's always something new in it that, that um, I enjoy. You know, the bit about him collecting Abba's turd and wearing it around his neck. <laughs> just, just fantastic. Just so, so good. So, so funny, so clever. And um, the only, the only thing that I don't like about it, I think there's a one, there's a dumb note in it, which is the, 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 the Thai wife or, you know, the, the Vietnamese wife. I'm not sure yeah. which one with her, with the ping pong and all that. And I just think that's a bit of a bum note and it doesn't go down quite so well, given the nature of what they're trying to come across um <clears throat> with with the lgbt stuff and it's it just doesn't work for me i find that a little bit offensive and a little bit kind of you know dirty rag you didn't need to go there um although it does set up um <clears throat> the husband who you know then ends up possibly will he won't he with with the terence stamp character it's fantastic i love it yeah it, it should go on there 100 percent. well uh chris's nomination priscilla has made the list that's three yeses um, I'm embarrassed to say that I have never seen this film. Um, it's a film that has just passed me by over the years and on the catch up for this, I just didn't have time. I've watched as many as I can, but unfortunately I haven't watched Priscilla. Um, so Anna, hey. Priscilla, would it have made the list for you? Uh, there's so many. Um, yes, it would make the list. It would. Um, I mean, the, for me, I think that first opening scene where, you know, they're singing, um, I've never been to me. Um, I was like, oh, I'm in, this is great. Um, and then when they, you know, they bought the bus, Priscilla, um, you know, you want to be on that road trip. It looked amazing. You know, I want to be in there with a the minibar and the costumes and <laughs> about liposuction. Like the whole thing just seemed like an absolute blast. Uh, and then the outfits as well. I think they won quite a lot of awards for the different outfits. There was the... Um, the one dress that I think Hugo uh, Weaving wore, uh, Mitzi, which was just made out of flip-flops. Yeah, the pink flip-flops. Uh, and I was like, well, that's insane. But I mean, it looked, you know, so fitting. And every, you know, I thought the makeup, the costumes, uh, the music as well, uh, when they um, met the Aboriginal um, uh, guys in the middle of the desert and they started singing, I Will Survive, and there's this didgeridoo, um, 
brilliant as well. Um, like it was a version I've never heard, but would happily listen to again. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, the storyline was a bit rocky in places. Um, but, and I also love, I really like Guy Pearce. I think whatever you see him in, he's so different and very versatile. Um, I thought he was a really good character. Uh, but did you also notice that the um, hotel in Alice Springs was called Lassiter's? Which is in um, Neighbours. I don't know whether that was yeah. on purpose, but um, I was. It I was... Seems, seems a quite a heavy coincidence. Yeah, yeah. But I also, like, when I was reading about the film, um, apparently Terence Stamp didn't want to look at any of the rushes. He just didn't want to see what he looked like. He was very confident that he was this very glamorous, like woman of a certain age. Um, and then when he saw the film, I think he was a bit shocked. Um, because I think, I don't know who he based himself. Anyway, I thought he looked great. I thought they all looked Oh, great. I think he should have won a lot of awards for that. I, yeah. really, I really, I genuinely did. He, he played it so well. Um, and it could have been a terrible, terrible, I mean, it, for all three of them, it could have been played awfully, couldn't it, really? Yeah, I think, yeah, it was a really great cast. Um, but yeah, that whole journey just makes you want to go on a road trip. And they, you, what you could, I enjoyed watching it. They, they were lovable characters, flawed, but lovable. Um, and yeah. It's good that they showed the Aborigines in a, in a, in a good Definitely. light as well, yeah. yeah, which was much needed, I think, in Australian cinema. Definitely. You know, it's all very inclusive, isn't it? And, mm. and the scenery, the scenery was, um, I mean, all the, you know, the uh, sunset um, and the views and the end shot as well. I think a lot of these films had really incredible end shots, um, mm. very dramatic pulling out of, you know, seeing the scenery. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So it, it it does make it. It does make it on the top five. Nice yeah. one. Well, that's two nominations and two films on our initial list. Um, four yeses, Priscilla. Um, John, do you have a third one for us? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little more serious. <laughs> Um, I'm going to suggest the film that launched a thousand parodies in which itself is actually deal, deals very well, I believe, with, um, uh, with, the, with the whole idea. Um, I'm going to suggest 1992's thriller, The Crying Game by Neil Jordan, um, because it's it really it, it's it's a film of it's a film of two halves. Um, it's a it's an it's an it's an IRA kidnap uh, ransom film to start with, and then it's um, guy hi, guy hiding you know, laying low in the second half. Um, the Basically, the the IRA kid, kidnap a um, not very convincing Forrest Whitaker uh, as a British soldier, um, and they're holding him and trying trying to exchange him for other for other um, uh, other guy, other people who are currently being held by the uh, British Army. Um, and in that time, um, Fergus uh, Stephen Rear. Um, actually starts talking to him and um, and treat, treat treating him like a person as opposed to a hostage 
um, with, with certain limitations. And they kind of they kind of uh, build up a kind of a, li a limited friendship between the two of them. But um, for first, Whitaker's character knows he's going to die. Uh, he knows it's not going to end well anyway. So he starts tell telling um, telling Fergus all about um, his girl back home, and uh, and asking him to go and go and meet her and. Uh, just, just basically make sure she's okay. Um, it all goes horribly wrong. Um, Fer Fergus ends up take, taking him out into the forest to shoot him, and he runs off. Um, Fergus chases him, and as he chases him, uh, he actually um, Fer um, Forrest Whitaker's character actually goes under. The British Army vehicles coming to get him, um, as the as the army actually uh, raids the ha the country house in the forest um, where where he's being held, uh, killing um, all but two of the uh, Miranda Richardson and Adrian Dunbar. Um, so we skip on a couple, a few months or so. Uh, Fergus has made it to London because he wasn't anywhere near. Nobody knows what's really happened to him. He, get, he ends up in London. He's working uh, as a builder, as a labourer um, for Tony Slattery, the scumbag, uh, the scumbag <laughs> uh, developer. Um, and he goes and goes to the bar where um, Forrest told him to go. And to see if he can see if he can find his missus, and goes to the bar, meets Jim Broadbent, who's the barman, and meets Dill, who's um, um, Joe Forrest Whitaker's character called Jody. Meets uh, jo Jody's lover called Dill, and she's a she's a hairdresser, and they buy they buy drinks. And they're talking through Jim Broadbent. Um, she go, she goes and sing, she sings on the stage of the bar and everything, and it all kind of starts to get all friendly, friendly. And Jim Broadbent kind of leans over to him and goes, "Hang on, mate. I think there's something you should know." But before he can tell him, uh, he gets interrupted and uh, carries on. So Fergus and Dill get get closer and closer and he, the, the, the ghost of Jody's in the background. Jo, Dill do, is sad that he's gone, but understands and everything. And it gets to the pivotal moment, gets to the moment where they're going, they're going to make love for the first time. And she comes out of the bathroom and she has a penis. And it's and it's and you get you get a quick shot. You see his reaction, and she and she goes, "Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you knew." And that's it. And that's how it's and it. There's nothing garish or then it's not lingered on or anything. Obviously, Fergus has had a few to drink and goes and vomits. Um, 
Uh, but he, he comes back out and he, he doesn't know what to do, doesn't know what to think. And it, it, it's, it's kind of played in, it's played in the confusion and everything. And it's, and it, and kind of in that, in that moment, it all kind of turns on its head. And you suddenly realize that the bar he's been going, he met her in and has been going back to Jim Broadbent is that is actually a, um, a, a, a gay bar, an alternative bar, sorry, an, al an alternative bar. And because uh, kind of like a, a day or so later, he goes back to find her and you, and you can tell, you can tell that the clientele is very definitely an alternative, an alternative crowd. And it, and it all kind it all kind of comes back and they, they start to talk about it and everything. And then all of a sudden, his um, Miranda Richardson and Adrian Dunbar come back on the scene, and now Dill is in uh, is in danger because um, they're back and they want they want uh, Fergus to help them with an assassination attempt in London. It's I think I think as a thriller it's pretty good. I think. Um, as a love as an alternative love story, I think it actually uh, does pretty well as well. Um, I think it's handled. I think I think the whole idea is handled pretty well as well. Um, so I think that, that this should actually I think this should be a classic that should go on the list. Nice, nice, uh, Matt. To you, the crying game is it one for this list? <laughs> Oh, yes. This was the first film that I thought of, really, when this subject was bandied around and the, the genre topic we were going to talk about. Um, I like I like this film a lot. I do like this film a lot. That being said, I've not seen it for a long time. I went through a period where um, it was on quite a lot um, on TV. I'd seen it. I'd, 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 uh, I'd watched it um, originally on um in the uh, uh mid 90s when it was on i think it was on channel four in the uk and you know i didn't really get it at that point you know i was only sort of you know 15 16 and obviously understood how things worked in the world but for me this was kind of like, oh what just happened you know the big the big reveal as it were um so there was always a film that was always in the back of my mind. I was thinking to myself, I really enjoyed the opening scenes. I, I love the opening first, uh, let's say the first opening act with, with um, as, as, what, how did you put Forrest Whitaker, John? Uh, um, the, very, the very unconvincing British the unconvincing <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I, I enjoy all him. that section. Yeah, of all, of, all, of all the things in it, he's the least convincing. The least convincing, although that's probably one of the sections that I enjoy the most. I love it. I, um, I don't know. Maybe it's the way that it's directed, um, you know, with the opening um, camera shots um, over at a funfair with um, the Otis Redding song. Is it Otis Redding? Oh, I can't remember now. No, it's Man Loves a Woman um, playing over the top. And yeah, I, I don't know. It, it really, it really, it really uh, uh, stuck in the back of my mind. And I always saw it. Whenever I saw it on TV, I was like, All right, "I'm gonna, you know, I'll, I'll watch this again." And it's grown on me over the years. And I think, as John mentioned, it's um, 
it actually works better as, as a, an alternative love story than than a thriller um and i think for what we're looking for it is probably again something that really is quite relevant and and it would be a sad thing that to not put it on there i don't i don't necessarily want to put it on there i'm, I'm jumping around a little bit here um i don't i don't know i don't know um Yes, yeah, let's stick it on. It's, it's a good film. I think it's an important film um, in, in, in this particular genre. And um, it's definitely a film that is, is let's say, for, for British film, because it is a British film. And I like to stand by British films. I think it should definitely go on there. Um, it's a very good film. Lovely. Well, that's two votes for The Crying Game, and I'm going to be a third. Uh, like you, I think this was the first film that popped into my head as soon as uh, the topic was suggested. Um, I think I've only seen it once, maybe twice, and that was a long time ago. Um, I didn't have time to re-watch it for this list, but um, it made that impact. I, I saw the movie having already known the, the, the reveal. Um, it was it was parodied throughout pop culture, um, but it didn't take away my enjoyment of the movie. I think it was uh, a very well told thriller and and an important alternative love story. Um, yeah, I think I think the Crying Game is a is a very good film and it's definitely worthy of being on this list. So it has three votes. John, it has made our initial list. Yeah. Anna, the Crying Game. Would it have made oh. it for you as well? No, um, ah. I'm afraid. But that's not because um, I haven't seen it. At least I don't think ah. I've seen it. And if I did watch it, I think it was so long ago. Um, when John was explaining it, I was shocked by the reveal. So I feel like I obviously haven't watched it because that would be something I would remember. Sorry, but, spoilers. Uh, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> we always struggle with that, don't we? We always struggle about <laughs> saying too much and not enough. Even, even with the spoiler, I still think it's a, it's a worthy... I, I knew the sport of going in. Yeah, so. I think I think it was so well discussed at the time, wasn't it? I mean, yes. I remember, you know, everyone was. was talking about it. Um, so it, it was culturally made a huge impact. Um, but when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, um, that was Boy George sang the song. That was the, the the crying game, didn't he? Really good song. Yeah. And that's what I really remember from it, if anything. Um, so I don't think I've seen the film. I mustn't. If I have, I need to rewatch it because my memory's shot. Um, so oh. I can't really say yes to this because I, I obviously, well, I, I've got a terrible memory or I haven't watched it, but um, I do, from what I've heard and obviously from what you've just explained and listening to everyone else, it does sound like it it should be in the top five, but I, it's not in my list, so I would have to say no. No worries. Chris, did it make it for you? It wasn't on my list, but I agree with all the points. It's a very important film, and yes, put it on. Nice one. Well, there it is. Uh, four votes, then. The Crying Game has made the initial list. Um, Matt, we're around to you. Can you round out and give us a fourth? Gosh, are we, um, we've already got three, haven't we? We have. Everybody's nomination has made the list so far. Crikey. Um, okay, um, I'm going to go old school. I'm going to go I, as usual. As you, you guys know me, I um, I always kind of like leave what I think might be the 
the, um, the the safe bets, the sure bets, knowing full well that someone might get there to talk about it earlier than me. Um, and I'm glad no one's got to this first, to be honest with you. Um, this is um, probably my favourite comedy film of all time. And, and that's saying something because it's quite old. Um, and it was my dad's favourite film. And he introduced it to me. And um, we actually sat and watched it together when I was in my... Um, late teens my dad passed away a couple of years ago so it means a lot to me um i'm not saying that that's why it should get on there but it, it holds a very very special place in my heart and it, it will never it will never be removed from that um i think um we're going back to 1959 and a film that really needs no introduction i mean it's still perfect after 62 years um and that's billy wilder's some like it hot um with jack lemon Tony Curtis, the the magnificent Marilyn Monroe, um, amongst other fantastic actors, part character actors that are in this film as well, who will never be famous, but have had roles in many numerous other films during the 40s, 50s and 60s as well. Um, it was nominated for a lot of Oscars, a lot six Oscars at the time. And I think it only won for a game for the costumes, which seems to be a running theme, running theme for for these films at the moment that we're talking about um it's often cited uh, in the perennial top 10 films of all time for a lot of um, critics film lists and as i said it's in my top 10 films and it's probably the number one comedy um i just i it's, it's a non-stop gag fest i mean the whole thing just crackles along at a breakneck pace um with so much wit and so much kind of verve the basic premise is 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 Jack Lemon plays Jerry, Tony Curtis plays, plays Joe, and they're two jazz musicians. Um, and they're down on the luck. It's the, it's the Great Depression, the start of the Great Depression in the 1920s um, in the USA. And they are um, caught up in a mafia, um, a mafia gangster um, uh, rivalry that, um, has them having to escape to try and find a way out after witnessing a crime, which was based uh, or inspired on by an, an, an original event, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which was an actual thing in Chicago. Um, and so they go to their um, agent to say, look, we need some work. We need to get out of town. We need to, you know, we need to get away. And the only work that's available is in an all women's um, uh, uh, orchestra and all women's jazz group so you know as it comes down to it why not let's all you know let's dress up as women let's do it we, we've got to get away we're, we're, we've now witnessed this crime where we're wanted men let's let's dress up as women and um join join this group and it just it's just the script is sensational i mean it leans really spectacularly into some really genuinely clever farcical situations uh, and it's all like driven by these two performances, three performances, should I say, but driven especially by a blindingly funny performance by Jack Lemon. I mean, he 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 as Jerry stroke Geraldine stroke uh, Daphne um, plays it as an all out and all in party girl, steering like all these comedy setups 
with really funny wacky asides and one-liners and some really like glorious withering glances offside of camera like even at some points it's like um and nod directly at the camera nod and a wink to the camera it's very self-referential the film um uh he's just absolutely wonderful in this i mean tony curtis is fantastic as well as playing joe as josephine um a little bit more restrained but arguably he's the straight man to, to jack lemon lemon's uh, uh comedic um performance um and but you know they, they fire off each other other so 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 brilliantly um and he also gets the show i don't know if you guys know this but um he based his performance his second kind of character that he plays here as the as the oil man on Cary Grant so his impression is an impression of Cary Grant at the time on Cary Grant you know during his his actual uh, um, acting career so you know he tries to woo Marilyn Monroe's sh- uh, character Sugar Cane um, in in this second disguise and he uses the accent of Cary Grant and you know it's just fantastic um so Marilyn Monroe's performance is really is good. It's really she was really in trouble at that point, um, having read up on this and not knowing too much about. Obviously, everyone knows the famous history of, of Marilyn Mon- Monroe. Excuse me. Um, but at this point in, in um, her life, she was really, really struggling. And, and apparently, according to the director, she really was stro- showing a lot of um, difficulties. You know, she was up and down. She was taking a lot of medication at the time so for her performance to be as good as it is you know it's very whimsical and it does suit the role funnily enough you know it shows a lot of sweetness to the character um you know it belies the troubles that that are very rumored about her ongoing issues during the to her, you know with drug addiction and uh, deteriorating mental health and stuff and and you can see a little bit of a sadness in her role i suppose as well um so you know it, it's 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 just so funny the script is absolutely whip smart um it's based on a uh, on a french film so it's not actually an original film it's based on a french film called fanfare of love i believe um this is going from the internet um and yeah i i just i just think it's absolutely fantastic the only thing that again that i find in a lot of these films of men dressing up and playing women in drag or um well, especially men playing women in drag, and there's another film as well that's very similar, is I do find, I do find that inherent in all of these, that they're ultimately always trying to trick or mislead the female character in some way to either ingratiate themselves or ensconce themselves as a confidant. And, and it's a bit creepy. It's a little bit creepy. They're always trying to get something. Um, so, it, yeah, that, that for me is the only bum note on it. But it's just a fantastic... I mean, it's a classic classic film i mean you, you can't say that that a film that has been put on top five lists of all time no matter the genre um it, i mean it has to go on there it's just it's just so funny and it's got some of the best the best one-liners ever if not the best send-off line of all time um which i won't ruin because you have to watch it to see after everything that's gone before it that Right at the end, you've got this this actor, and uh, his name's Joe Joe E. Brown. He plays a character called Osgood F- Fielding the Third, and uh, he's one of these rich guys that um, 
they when when they're going on traveling with with the the orchestra with the band they all feel my band that um uh, sugar cane uh, specifically says she wants to meet a millionaire and she wants to you know spend her life uh, with a millionaire it, it, this was the 50s so you know <laughs> perhaps that's how women thought then but this 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 guy is just is just so funny he plays it deadpan straight uh, until right at the end and i, I wouldn't want to spoil the payoff line but you know it makes me crack up even 30 years after first watching it i think it's just fantastic um and uh, it does share a lot of similarities with tootsie as well which um yeah maybe another one <laughs> but yeah great hopefully it'll go on there some like a heart 1959 billy wilder nice um this is one of those ones where uh, i'm embarrassed to say in my youth i started this film with some friends and they said this is in black and white and it's boring and I reluctantly agreed to turn it off and unfortunately I've never gone back to it not because I don't want to at some point just time has never come around to it so I have only seen part of this film so in good graces cannot say yes to it That's just because I'm embarrassed that I haven't seen it all the way through um, but I'm well aware of its cultural iconic status um and would not be upset if it made this list anna some like it hot yeah i um watched it today for the first time i tried to watch it about 15 years ago and again i you know it just didn't grab me i don't know why but then i obviously watched it again for, for this podcast and i loved it i thought it was really funny very witty um to you know curtis and um oh gosh what's the, um <laughs> just yeah just brilliant they're just so funny um and they work really well together they're a joy to watch um and yeah i just loved some of the lines like when when um josephine says to daphne they just they're getting on the train um to go to florida for this um to join the all-female um group um, um Daphne says you know I feel like everyone's staring at me and uh Tony Curtis who plays Josephine as quick as a whip just says with those legs are you crazy yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know stuff like that and, and you, you know there were a lot of looking at the camera which I was like oh is, is that meant to happen um but I really enjoyed it I thought Marilyn um was brilliant obviously Apparently she kept forgetting her lines though. So the director Wilder had to sort of write all her lines in sort of drawers and cupboards and desks. So she wouldn't forget them. Um, which, yeah, is kind of sad when you realize that she's a bit, yeah. hard time. Uh, but it, it was- wasn't long, Yeah, it, it wasn't long afterwards that she she died, was it? I think no. this was one of her, one of her last films. Yeah, which is, awful obviously it's awful but you know it's it's a film about tolerance and acceptance and sort of transforming yourself you can be whoever you want to be um and it you know it's sort of desperate measures they were put in this situation they're absolutely skint they had to sell their coats to try and put some money on a horse or was it a dog god knows um yeah it's but they're just surviving they're just trying to get through life and avoid a mob um killing them um but yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was a romantic caper, you know, it was those two, their relationships are like a buddy film, you know, and there was this crime element. So it, it had a bit of everything. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. So yeah, and it was sort of, 
uh, you're right. I think it was like the sort of bef it was sort of very similar to Tootsie, wasn't it? Just people trying to get, you know, make their rent and they'll do it in whatever way, whatever means necessary. But it was also, you know, there was no, you, you, you were behind them 100%. You wanted them to succeed. And again, like the final line in the film is beautiful, which again, I won't it's like, Yeah, it's so good. I, I think what, what, what I meant that it's, it's similar to Tootsie in the, in the fact that it's, um, you know the the yeah the the two guys the the guys dressing up and um you know they're, they're pretending to be women to to get something to get what they want yeah. um you know uh, and it does it does show some similarities not not too much but yeah okay no um oh so it's a yes yeah yeah that's two chris is it three uh much like um Matt, uh, having the film having a sentimental value, um, this is my mum's favourite film. And so I grew up watching this. Uh, I have the, the Blu-ray and uh, it's a regular watch. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Um, the three main performances are mesmerising. They're, they're just so charismatic. Um, and uh, I was a fan of Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis, actually, before I watch this film um and i think it's just magnificent the the story is brilliant um the the humor the the jokes it's it's great yeah it's um it's very high on my own list so yeah get it in there well there we go that's three votes it has made our initial list john Yes. Um, <laughs> next, um, what what's the line? Look at her go. It's, how did she do that? It's like Jello on springs. Um, yeah. No. It's it's an absolute classic with some absolute classic lines. Yeah. Lovely. Nice one. Well, it's it's just me that unfortunately hasn't seen it, but it is one classic that I do definitely want to get around to. Um, so that's four films everybody's initial nomination has made the initial list. Um, so I'm going to attempt to do the same. Um, and I'm going no, to nominate no pressure, Paul. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, I'm going to nominate a movie that I watched a couple of days ago, um, a movie that I didn't see when it was initially released. Um, I don't really know why. Um, a movie that was nominated for several Oscars, um, bringing home the Oscar for Best Actress for Hilary Swank. I'm going to nominate Boys Don't Cry, um, released in 1999. Uh, a, something that I didn't even realise even till the very end of the movie. Um, it's, it's based on a true story, which makes this tale even more harrowing. Um, it's about Brandon Tienan, who is a guy that moves around Nebraska, um, starts hanging, moves from one town to another town, um, starts hanging out with another group of uh, locals there, uh, becomes one of the guys, um, meets a girl, a beautiful girl named Lana, um, falls for her, and they begin a relationship together. Um, and the only thing that Brandon hasn't told her is that Brandon wasn't Brandon. Um, Brandon was a woman named Tina Brandon. Um, 
and it's the harrowing tale of the brutality that can happen um, when people don't understand other cultures um, without spoiling the end of the film. But um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a harrowing true story of abuse um, that happens when people can't accept other cultures. Um, I thought this performance from Hilary Frank was brilliant. Um, it, it, it affected me more, um, more than I thought it was gonna. Um, and it made me research um, the actual events after, after watching the film, um, finding out how accurate it was. Um, and it, the, the same thing happened with the director. Um, she, she was struck by, uh, her name's Kimberly Pierce. She was struck by the story, um, investigated it and made her make this film. Um, it took four years to cast the lead um, and the lead went to Hilary Swank and uh, she was just brilliant in the role. Um, Pierce, Skarsgård um, plays a pivotal role in the movie as well and is is very um, his, his performance is brilliant um, dark and sinister um, I think although it is a unbelievably hard watch at times um, I think Boys Don't Cry deserves to be on this list um, Anna have you seen Boys Don't Cry? Uh, yes, I have. I Again, I found it a really hard watch. Um, it was a film I knew I wanted to watch, but I've always been putting, putting it off. Um, it's like, yeah, and the fact that it is a true story. Um, and it, as well, like you said, you know, it did stay with me for a few days, even thinking about it now. Um, I don't think I could watch it again because it, it it's just too heartbreaking. Uh, you know, it's this honest, gritty, um, you know, I was left feeling quite, angry uh, you know that such hatred exists um but i thought hillary swank's performance i mean she won an oscar uh it was um it, it was there was scenes that were so hard to watch you just don't know how as an act an actor you you get into that role and she did a really brilliant job um obviously um really convincing as um brandon tina and also um is it chloe um Savigny, is that how you say? I'm terrible at pronouncing. Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Savigny. Savigny. So Chloe Savigny. Um, she was brilliant as well. Um, was she nominated for? Best she was nominated for supporting actress. Yes, she was excellent. Oh, yeah, she was. It, just watching those two, so you know, made watching the film, or because I think without those two in those roles, it would have been a. Re you just what you you you're really wanting them to get through this and there being you know a positive outcome um yeah I, I mean to say I loved the film would be you know I didn't but I I mean it was an it was an incredible performance from both of them and it's an important story that needs to be told um so yeah definitely it should make the top five okay uh Chris boys don't cry um I haven't seen this for a very long time. Um, I didn't get to see it for the for the pod. Um, but saying that, um, I agree with everyone's points. Um, it's it is a hard watch, um, but uh, Hilary Swank's 
performance as a transgender man uh, is brilliant and very deserving of an Oscar. Um, and uh, yeah, I I would I would happily put it on the list. Excellent. That's uh, three votes. Boys Don't Cry has made this list. John, would it have made it for you? Um, yeah, and I think I think depending on how depending on the mood I'm in would depend on how how my list gets made. Unfortunately, because there's there's such a swing in this category from uh, dra drama through to, through to all out comedy. As we have two, we have two examples right there at the two ends of the spectrum. Totally um, agree, John. Yeah, it could be two. I think it could be two entirely different lists, actually. Yeah, yeah. and and, and this, this is the thing. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I think there's unless we suggest something outlandish. I, I think we could, we could pretty much agree on any any film that we say. But in saying that, this one, I think that. Yes, it should go on the list. I, I like this. I like this film because it's at, it it is gritty and it is and it is very honest. I mean, I'm not I'm not vi victim blaming at all when I say that Bra Brandon wasn't exactly wasn't exactly whiter than white, mm. and um, not not that he was not that he was untruthful or anything like that. It's just I, he 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 came he came from a background where he was he was stealing he was staying with his best friend because I think from the looks of it he, he was kicked out by his family um, he he's been he'd been in trouble uh, with the law and everything but in in saying that there's still there's still absolutely no reason why that should happen to anybody um, I. I think it's harrowing when it needs to be. I think it. I, um, yeah. I. I think. Yeah. I think it should go on the list. That's four yeses, Matt. Where is that cry? Oh, oh God. Um, yeah, I, I really found this one difficult um, <clears throat> to watch. I, I. I categorized it in those films that I, I, again I would never watch again. Yeah, and I like to think myself very, um, very hardened to the real world. Um, I myself have found myself in some very dodgy situations in the past. Obviously, nothing like this, but the the situations that are shown to us are so alien to to the ones that we're used to um, that I often struggle with, especially with being critical about films. I mean, this is a great film. It's a good film. It's an important film, but. Is it an enjoyable film? And do I want to put it on a list, which I think should include enjoyability as well? Um, so I often struggle with that. It's very hard. It's very, very hard. I mean, it's uh, I don't often get upset. I got very upset at the ending, very upset. Um, and it is one of the films that has affected me quite, quite a lot. Um, you have to put it on, really, don't you? Because, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, there's, think there's, it, I think it's it, it's importance. Um, it's important. It has to go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. It, it, which is which is it's 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 sad that something so heinous has made this um, so important. But um, it's horrible. It, it's it's beautiful it's, in parts. It is beautiful in parts. There was a part 
you know, Chloe Sevigny was who, who I agree, Anna is fantastic in this. And yeah, I've I've loved her for ages. She was she was in Kids. If anyone remember Kids from the mid nineties. Kids Larry a, Clark's kids, um, yeah, it was a big, yeah. big hit. It was very controversial, and she was also in um, uh, the TV series uh, Big Love. If you ever saw that with Bill Paxton about the um, the Mormons ah. in uh, Salt Lake City, she was one of the wives. Uh, she's fantastic, and she's really pivotal in this. I think she 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 helps helps gel the whole film together. And again, I, I think it is it, undeserved that she didn't actually win an Oscar as well. Um, and there are some lovely moments in it, and but it really does hinge on on that ending. Um, but yeah, it has to go on, really, isn't it? Indeed. Well, that's uh, five yeses. Uh, Boys Don't Cry has made the initial list. We have five films. Uh, we're looking for two more to round out the top seven. Um, we haven't done it yet, where we've agreed on the first seven films nominated. So let's see. Um, Anna, do you have a sixth film to go on this list? Oh, yes. Um, Ed Wood, uh, 1994, Tim Burton, with uh, Johnny Depp. Um, well, you probably all know about this. But it's, it's a film about um, the story of a man known as the worst film director in the world, uh, Ed Wood, um, played by Johnny Depp. And I just found it absolutely charming. Um, I was really rooting for Ed Wood in this film. He... Um, <laughs> he's just a thoroughly positive character who um, you, you just want him to do well. Like, you know, he has no like discernible talent to be seen when it comes to directing, it would seem, but he doesn't let it get in his way. He just blindly carries on. He finds, I just thought he, you know, he's, I just, I was very sympathetic towards him and I really liked the character. Um, I loved um, the guy who played Bella L uh, Lugosi, Martin Landau, um, and their relationship, like Edward's relationship with uh, Bella Lugosi was brilliant. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, an old actor who's sort of um, got a bit of a morphine habit. He's a loner, he meets Edward, they got on really well and Ed decides to cast him in his films. Um, and halfway through one of his films, is it out of plan nine from outer space? Yeah. Uh, he dies, this actor dies halfway through. So Edward isn't deterred at all. He finds someone who's just as tall with similar characteristics and just puts him in a cape with a hood for the entire movie and sort of cuts around it. Um, he's got like an endless, I just, it was, I just found it very charming. Um, Edward is a transvestite. He likes to direct, you know, wearing uh, women's clothes. Um, and he, you know, he's proud of that. You know, he feels comfortable in that, in that, in that, you know, being that way. And he's, he wants everyone to accept him as he is. And I think that's what is at the, you know, the heart of the film. It's just people should just accept others for who they are. And if you've got a passion, you should go for it. There's a scene at the end of the film where he's sort of talking to Orson Welles, um, which is a really nice little, what does Orson Welles see? I wrote it down somewhere. Da, 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 da. Anyway, it was so good. Oh yeah, visions are worth fighting for, which is basically what Edward was all about. He, he just had a passion and he was hell bent on doing what he wanted to do and loved in life, which was direct. Um, and it was, I enjoyed it so much. I actually went, on to watch Glenn or Glenda, 
Glenn and Glenda. Has anyone else seen that film? Yeah, I have. Yeah, and I actually really, I actually really enjoyed it, and that nearly went in my top five. Two very brave people. Yeah, it wasn't, but um, I, I think it needs to be in the list, Edward. Okay, no. Um, and there's a really wait. nice, that, sorry, there's a really nice scene where. Um, Edward's trying to direct and the backers are sort of backseat directing and Edward is just just let me direct let me just be who I want to be and um, you can see he's sort of the um, he's he's it's the only time he nearly sort of loses it in the film he's just like peak I'm gonna but he you know he, that's when he goes to the bar to have a drink um, and meets Orson Welles and he gets this like really great advice um, I thought it was brilliant it's definitely my top five Okay, Chris, Edward, um, does it deserve to be on here? Uh, it's a great film. Um, I, I don't know if it... I think there are other films uh, which should get the six and seven spot above Edward. So as much as I enjoy the film uh, and uh, the performances, I think... There are a few other films at Pippet, so I'm sorry, Anna, not for me. Okay. John, Edward? Um, I... Yeah, I... I Tim, Tim, Tim Burton films are... You, you either like them or you don't. And this one just seems to have this level of plastic artifice over the top which I can't quite get through okay um so uh, it it's it uh, I it, it tells a lovely it tells a lovely story but I just really can't I know I I I, I, I no not for, not for me okay uh that's two no's Matt Edward does it make it for you <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, I'm gonna be really selfish. I love this film. I, I absolutely adore this film. Um, I actually think it's um Tim Burton's second best film. Second best film. Second best film. Um, but a, a great watch. It really didn't do very well, did it? It didn't. It wasn't received very well. I think it was just just the subject. Um, the biopic of some. So, some second-rate B-movie director just wasn't. It, there wasn't enough comedy in it. There really wasn't. You know, it wasn't a brought on all that comedy. Um, it was. It was more. More. I would say a biof a biopic than than it wasn't even a, dra a dramatic biopic. It was just a biopic, to be honest. Um, but it has some lovely moments and it's got some fantastic cameos in it. Fantastic Jeffrey Jones, Bill Murray, Patricia Arquette, really really good cameos in there. Um, uh, I think it's very niche. I do think it's very niche. I think it's one of those ones that um, uh, I highly recommend anyone watch it, uh, who, who's listening will, 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 would go and watch. Um, uh, and it's one of those ones, uh, Tim Burton's, that, that hasn't, probably no one really knows about. I think it's probably his least, one of his least known films. Um, uh -huh. uh, but yeah, I, I'm not going to put it on, but uh, I love it all the same. Uh, and, and Martin Landau was, was uh, so just lovely. And, and thoroughly deserved his um, uh, his Oscar for that, uh, but no, 
I, I love it, but no. Okay. Uh, so, Anna, unfortunately, Edward has not made this list. Unbelievable. Um, I, I, I would have fallen... Shame on us. <laughs> well, I, I, would have, I would have fallen in the same camp as the rest of the panel, I'm afraid. Um, I, 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 had, I, I enjoyed Edward. I've, I've seen it. Um, I've only seen it once, and it was a while ago. I can remember liking it, but um, I didn't have time to rewatch it for this list. I was trying to hit those films that I hadn't seen. Um, and I made my list and there were other films um, that again I'd seen a long while ago that just instantly jumped above it like the crying game that we've already put on um, so for me it came further down so just on on that um, I would have said no as well so unfortunately Edward has not made this list. Glenn or Glenda? <laughs> 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 oh, I tell you what, the, 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 we're not going to get enough votes for two of us. <laughs> as you mentioned, Anna, Anna, about Orson Welles at the end, I, I love Vincent. It was Vincent D'Onofrio who yeah. Welles. You know the 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 guy from um, I forget his character's name, but from um, Full Metal Jacket. Yes. Um, really, really good. Really, really good little cameo. And I, I, this film's just chock full of cameos. It is a really good film. So, so it's a good out. film. It's worth a watch. So I read, just quickly as an aside, uh, the guy who plays Orson Welles, um, Tim Burton. Oh no, in the, re so the, in the um, Glenn or Glenda, or anyway, I'm going to stop. But I do think it's <laughs> dubbed in the, in Glenn or Glenda, his voice was dubbed over because Edward didn't like the accent. So he dubbed over the original guy's voice. Who played, um, what, the, so the, in the original Glenn Orson, Glenda? Yeah, the original, oh, the guy oh, okay. who played Orson Welles in Glenn or Glenda, oh. I think. So yeah. Orson Welles didn't play, play himself, no. No, I don't think he'd lower himself. No, I don't think he'd either. Uh, yeah. But. Okay, well, we've still got five, two spots left. Chris, can you give us number six? Uh, I didn't, I'm not confident. Uh, that I have two Robin Williams films on my list, which have not uh, been mentioned yet. And I think rather than going for the most popular one, uh, which is number five on my list, I think I'm going to go with the, um, the, the more critically acclaimed film. Um, oh. and I'm going to nominate The Birdcage. Oh. Um, which is a, a remake of um, 1978 film, Le Cage au Fall, um, which is also a stage musical, a very good one. Um, and it's uh, about um, an, a gay owner of a, a drag club called The Birdcage and uh, his life partner, Albert, uh, an effeminate and flamboyant man, plays Star Starina. Is that how you say it? No, I forgot now. Um, the star attraction of the club. So he, he is the drag act. And they live together in an apartment above the, the club. And um, uh, along with their um, Guatemalan housekeeper, uh, who aspires to be in the show. And, um, and then one day, um, Armand's son, uh, Val, who uh, resulted from Armand's drunken one night stand with a woman, comes home to announce that he's been seeing a young woman named Barbara, whom he intends to marry. Uh, thus, comedy ensues. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a brilliant turn from um, Robin Williams. 
Uh, it's a, a really good film. Uh, it was only two years after um, Priscilla, and uh, it uh, was tackling some, um, again, themes that were not really in the mainstream um, media at that point. Um, and uh, yeah, just an incredibly uh, touching and, and funny film, um, which I, I believe should be at least six or seven. Okie doke. Um, John, The Birdcage? Uh, uh, I'm going to recuse myself from this one because unfortunately I haven't seen it. Um, okay. I've, I've seen parts of it. I know of it. I, can't, I, I know the plot of it. I've seen, but I haven't seen it in totality, so I can't actually pass a real comment on it. Okay, okay. Uh, Matt, The Birdcage, Robin Williams, like uh, this one? I, I'm, I've never seen it. I'm sitting on John Douglas's knee. Sorry. Oh, I can hope. I image. <laughs> um, it's always been one that I wanted to watch, mind you. I, I just never, I just haven't had, hadn't had the time. Haven't had the time. I'm sure I love Robin Williams, and it's it's desperately sad um, <clears throat> what happened to him, and you know, uh, several years ago. But it's it's a film that is, is on my list, and I wish I had more time to have watched it. Well, I, I, I'm I'm in the opposite camp this time. I have seen this film. It was on my list. It was number five on my list. And um, so I'm definitely saying yes. I think The Birdcage is hilarious. Um, I think there's excellent performances all around. Um, Gene Hackman, Diane Weiss, um, they, they, they are just the, the, the straight side of this. Um, but... It's hilarious in parts. Um, yeah, Chris, I, I, I think this film's great. Um, so it's a yes from me. So that's two votes. So Anna, mm -hmm. deciding vote, does okay. the birdcage make this list? I mean, I, I really like the birdcage. I, I saw it when it came out. I, you know, that opening shot as well, where it's, I think it's three, it, it, you know, when it, it's sort of, flies in through from like the you know in the middle of the ocean zooms all the way in and then goes into the club I think that took like three shots it's a great shot yeah really yeah I think they edited edited ed edited it together um with real difficulty but watching that opening scene I was like you know it really sets up you know you know you're in for a treat um you know I loved I loved Robin Williams Nathan Lane you know you know it's just going to be fun it, it's going to be two hours of fun doesn't quite make the list um, because it's for me. Um, you know, I did rewatch it for this, this podcast, um, but yeah, not not. I think it's because there's. I think the others had so much more. You know, they had the music, which this does have, but the outfits and witty dialogue features really heavily with all these films. Maybe not. Boys don't cry. Um, you know, it's definitely in the top seven, but not quite my five. Well, then does that does that warrant it being within the top seven? Because I mean, it's definitely within a... the top seven. I mean, it wasn't mm. in my top seven, so stop bribing her. Yeah. So no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Edward. <laughs> uh, that. No. Yeah. There's there's a lot of great films on that list, and as much as I love The Birdcage. I'm going to say no on this one. 
Okie dokie. Um, so Chris, unfortunately, um, me included, the birdcage has not made this list. So we're still at five. Um, John, can you give us a sixth one? What is the play and what is my parts? Uh, 1998, uh, multi-Oscars, especially for one Dame Judi Dench, who's in it for all of three minutes. Shakespeare in Love, where Gwyneth Paltrow plays a, a, man, plays a boy in a, in a time when boys played the women. Um, Joseph Fiennes uh, as Shakespeare, um, trying to write his most recent play, Romeo and the Pirate King's Daughter. And he just can't get it right. Um, I, this is, um, it's got a heck of a cast. It's got a heck of a pedigree uh, in its directing and its writing. Um, I think it's, it's uh, well-dressed, looks brilliant. Um, even Ben Affleck uh, as the uh, the main the main actor of the time who gets demoted gradually um, uh, is is good in it. Um, it's got a real it's got a real Brit it's got a real British sense of comedy in it. Um, it, it's it, it doesn't it doesn't play like a straightforward costume drama it's a, it's actually funny it it feels it feels witty uh, it, do, it, do, it doesn't feel as stuffy as a lot of its straight counterparts um yeah shakespeare in love let's go with that one okie doke uh matt shakespeare in love <clears throat> yes 100% yes. Um, I went to I went to see this. Uh, all my flatmates had uh, come back from a night out and they were all horrendously drunk. And I, I was there, yeah, I'd been working and I, 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 I'd, I'd come back before them and they all, they all rocked in and they are absolutely hammered. And I just couldn't put up with being in the, in the shared flat um, with them. So I, I went to see a very late night performance of this. Um, uh, um, and I just adore. I actually think there are there are very few films that you could probably say are perfect, um, I, and I happen to think this is one of them. I think it's a perfect ten. You, I can't fault this film at all. I, I think it's 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 absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I, watch it. See it if you haven't seen it, then you owe yourself. You know, you've done yourself a disservice. Just uh, you know, make sure you. Um, yeah, it's one of the, the best British films of uh, of the decade of of nineteen nineties. Um, massive box office hit, massive uh, for a reason. Um, a great script, very witty, very funny. Um, fabulous actors, fabulous acting. You just can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Thank you, Doug. Um, I enjoyed Shakespeare in Love a lot. Um, I think it's a very good film, um, and it fell. At number seven for me on this list which means it should make this list um but i also have two movies higher that have yet to be mentioned and there are only two spots left um that being said it is a very good film um 
so I will say yes. It featured in my top seven, so I'm going to say yes. So it has three yes votes. John, Shakespeare in Love has made this list. Anna, would have you agreed with that? Uh, yeah, completely agree. Um, I like uh, Joseph Fiennes. I think um, Gwyneth Paltrow was brilliant in it. I remember watching it, obviously, years ago, um, being totally entranced. Um, it's, a, it's an easy film to watch and the performances are incredible. It's very quick witted and yeah, I loved it. It's in the list. Thank you. Know. Chris, Shakespeare in Love, would it have been a yes from you? I've only seen short clips of it. I've not seen the full film, so I will have to have to watch it at some point. Indeed, indeed. Um, so that is six. Matt, we're all the way around to you. Um, can you round the list out? Can you give us a seventh, seventh film for our list? None's on the run. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Sorry, that, that, that one's for our friend, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. You guys know me by now. I'm not going to throw in anything that's worthwhile putting in now that, that a couple of good ones have gone in. Yeah, um, it was a good story about them, though. It's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, I always, you know, you know, you know, people need to be entertained. Um, so, so I've got a couple of ringers here. I've got a couple of uh, bat swingers, a couple of ones that are hell marys, as it were. Um, so I'm in a bit, bit of a little quandary as to which one to put in. I'll be honest. Um, one of them is going to be very distasteful for a lot of people, so I may not put that in, but I might mention it later. I'm going to put in the um, uh, the hail mary. Um, so Anna, you were talking uh, uh, a while ago before we, we we've had some difficulty getting to to, to this record date uh, for a number of different reasons, but you know we got her in the end. But we we were going through a few chit chats over um, WhatsApp um, a while ago, and um, uh, that Christian Bale came up, and um, you were like, oh, I love it. Anna. I remember you saying you, 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 you're a big admirer of Christian Bale. The opening um, in American Psycho is... Yeah, American, yeah, it was American Psycho we were talking about, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and we are wondering whether we could fit Christian Bale into, into this podcast. Uh, I may have found one yeah, um, yeah. for you. Um, so... That's the pen. Yeah, I, I, I've, I, I had... I, I, this came to me and it was just like a flash in the, in the night. It was one of those ones that just comes to you in dreams. And um, I was thinking, oh, wow, actually, this could fit this could tick some of those boxes so um you've got christian bale with some eye makeup and some some lipstick going on here um you've also got um ewan mcgregor jonathan reese myers tony collette eddie Izzard, and a whole host of others um late 90s i don't know whether anyone can can guess this is it, it was a bit of a an odd one for me uh, i looked at it and i thought can i make this fit and i thought yes i can I, i'm gonna go for velvet goldmine if anyone's seen it um, oh. directed by Todd Haynes and basically it's a pseudo um, biopic of a uh, <clears throat> a non-existent you know it's not based in it's not based in in in, in it's it's a made-up ver ver um, version of, of of David Bowie basically but Jonathan Reese Mayers Myers Mayers plays a uh, uh, a singer of a character called Brian Slade, whose alter ego is uh, Maxwell Demon. And uh, he's, his character is based on David Bowie. And you've got Ewan McGregor, who plays uh, a character, a singer, performer called Kurt Wilde, who's based around Iggy Pop. And um, 
somebody else i can't remember now um who's the guy that was in the velvet underground uh lou reed lou, lou reed. reed um and it's 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 a very underrated film now it's it's basically a rehash of citizen kane okay so you've got a a story of a journalist who's asked to find um the story, the history, a decade later after an event happened, uh, of what happened to this pop idol, this 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 glam rock idol um, that was around in the 1970s that staged his own assassination during a live show. This is John, Jonathan Rhys Mayer's character, uh, Maxwell Demon, Brian Slade, his, his character in real life, Maxwell Demon, his alter ego on stage. Um, and it's a bit of a failed but interesting experiment, to be honest. It was nominated for the Palm Palm Door at Cannes in 1998, or maybe in 1997, depends on the year, I suppose. Um, it didn't do very well at all. Um, you know, it's it failed to make any money. I think it only made about half of its budget back. Um, it was very critically unliked at the time, but I think it's been reevaluated uh, in the past sort of like decade, decade and a half and stuff. Um, it's a weird one. It's not quite a drama. It's not quite a musical. Uh, I think it takes a multiple viewings really to be something that you can actually assess and think. Well, do you know, I never really enjoyed it when I first saw it. I, it. I've seen it a couple of times now, and I rewatched it again after thinking about it. I thought, do you know what? It's actually really good. It's a weirdly fantastical biopic. I mean, the structure is totally non-linear. You know, we're jumping back and forth between decades all the time. It's a bit of a glam rock fairy tale, to be honest, with all kind of like the darkness of something like the Brothers Grimm, those stories that used to get told as you when you were a kid. Um, so it's quite dark at the same time, but it totally fits into our subject matter because it absolutely blurs the lines between gender, sexuality and identity. Um, you know, the themes all the way through it being stuff like fame, memory, obsession, self-image, you know, like both false self-image and, and image of the self, um, stuff like isolation and shame and stuff like that. It's a really deep film if you actually look at it. I mean, it may not look at it on the surface, but when you actually stop to think about it, I think it's a bit of a film school critic's wet dream, to be honest. Um, it's a really odd, it's got a really odd, I don't know if any one of you have seen it. Um, it's got a very odd opening where... The setup is kind of like aliens, or so we're to believe, have, have delivered this baby to a doorstep, wintry doorstep in Dublin in the 1800s. And this boy would become Oscar Wilde, apparently. Um, and he's left with this, this mysterious jade brooch on, right? And it goes on in the next scene where he would stand up in class and say he proudly would like to be a pop idol, which is really weird because that's not something that someone would say in the 1800s, especially Oscar Wilde. It's really, it's, it's a bit of an odd setup. And I think the whole, that's, you know, it's, it's a thing that leads, leans through for the entire film. It's a very odd kind of film. I mean, the link between Oscar Wilde um, and uh, 70s glamour, I think they're trying to like, it's, he's trying to be, whoever, it's Todd Haynes who directed it. I don't know if anyone saw the film Carol, with Kate Blanchett and um, Rooney Mara, I have seen really it. good film. Yeah, Todd Haynes, and he also did the um, the film about the, the uh, Bob Dylan biopic, where everyone played a different version of Bob Dylan in a different part of his life. Yeah, um, just after what's his name died, uh, the guy who was played the Joker, 
in Batman. Oh. He was supposed to he was supposed to have a major role in that, but he didn't in the end. Heath Ledger, yes. Heath Ledger, yeah. So Todd Haynes has got a bit bit, bit of pedigree, but it's just a bit of a it's a weird setup, and I think. He tried to be very clever about this, drawing parallels between Oscar Wilde at the beginning and Oscar Wilde's uh, uh, writings of Dorian Gray and Dorian Gray and the main character in this, Brian Slade, share like several characteristics like narcissism and persona. It's very, it's quite deep when you stop to think about it. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, this Brian Slade character is, is echoing, sorry, Ma- Ma- Maxwell Demon, so many different characters there. Maxwell Demon. Uh, the alter ego is basically Ziggy Stardust. Um, so anyway, the Christian Bale character is a journalist who's, who's tasked with tracking down the whereabouts of, of this idol a decade after he faked his own death. Um, and we got Christian Bale himself struggling with his own identity in his early years and, and suffering from self-image and, 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 and his own sexuality. Um, it's just it's, it's an odd film, but at the same time, it, I think it fits quite nicely into what we're looking for. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Tony Collette's in it as well. It, 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 she's really good in this. I love Tony Collette. I think she's fantastic in, in pretty much everything that she she acts in. She's a great actor, and she's got a very strange accent in this. And I thought, God Almighty, this this is terrible. What's going on here? She's like stretching into English, Australian, American, all the way through it, and she's playing American. And then I thought about it, and it's actually really good performance because she's also showing like how she's struggling with herself and identity and image at the same time she's trying to be who she isn't really at the same time and and she does eventually drop into uh, uh, an American accent when she's being interviewed by Christian Bale later on um, in the middle of the film and you're like oh wow okay so the entire first part of the film she's been she's been really 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 acting very very well and we I thought it was a complete and utter like dreadful performance but it's actually bang on um ian mcgregor's brilliant he's mercurial as ever as as kurt he plays kurt wilde this this e-pop character and he dominates every scene he's in you know if he's not preening and pouting on stage you know his performance deals as much in in like charisma as it does in a bit of sadness you know right at the end of the film we finally come to to, to kind of discover the toll of like what happens with with being famous and the fractured self-image um, how it can affect your persona and it, you know it's quite sad um <laughs> and he also continues his very early performances of getting his wang out mm. uh, which was a quite a mcgregor thing in his early performances i think getting his uh, his old man out on stage um great soundtrack um really really good um Lots of original songs from the era, T-Rex, Lou Reed and all that sort of stuff. Um, but they also had a lot of contemporary bands that came in and uh, produced music for it as well, like Pulp, Teenage Fan Club, Suede, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, Tom York did a lot of the vocals for the main character, although Jonathan Rhys-Mayers played, uh, <clears throat> you know, sung a lot of his, his own songs. Um I don't think he quite had the voice. He, he, he did sing in a few of them, uh, but they must have kind of like mixed Tom York's vocals in at the same time because Tom York's mentioned on a lot of the songs uh, from Radiohead, by the way, um, if you didn't know. And Placebo also acted in it. They, 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 a lot of the, the, the um, contemporary bands, uh, the members acted in it as well as, as the backing groups. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I suppose you could view the film as one long two-hour music video. I mean, it's interspersed with short expo expositional scenes. It, it's a very, it's a very odd film, but I do think it fits. There's, you know, there's a lot of lipstick, there's a lot of feathers, there's a lot of glitter, there's a lot of glam, a lot of bisexuality, there's a lot of gender fluidness, and I think the film works best, I suppose, as a sort of uh, a phantasmagorical kind of mystery. Um, Back, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 good. It's it's an odd choice, but it's good. It's not my oddest choice. I could have gone with a weirder one. But, um, <laughs> um, I, I think it's good. I think you should check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those films that I've been aware of. Um, I've wanted to watch and have just never got around to it, unfortunately. Um, and one I would like to watch. Uh, Velvet Goldmine. Um, Anna, have you seen uh -huh. this film? I haven't, but can I say yes, just because I really like Tony Collette and Christian Pale, and <laughs> I feel like Matthew's description was so good, that, and also he used the word phantasmagorical, <laughs> um, yes from me, uh, thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> I described Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chris, have, Velvet Goldmine? I've not seen it. No. I feel like I have now though. <laughs> uh, do you want oh, I didn't do it justice, Chris. You uh, have to wear unfortunately, to watch it. yeah, unfortunately, I haven't seen it either. So, well, uh, so unfortunately, it was, a, it, it was a swinger, mate. It was a swinger. It was one of those ones. It that, doesn't uh, make it, it but yeah. it is one that I would like to see. So, um, you've, you've put it out there for for people to hunt out, um, but it doesn't make our list. Um, so we're round to me. I'm gonna attempt to round this out. Um, and I'm gonna. It's already been mentioned by Chris, so I, I'm I'm confident I might have one vote. Um, and it's the other Robin Williams movie, um, where he plays a divorced father who. The is... world according to Garp. <laughs> no, uh, divorced father who is desperate to see his children um, hasn't been able to. So as a actor he takes on the persona of mrs doubtfire um and dresses up and becomes his children's nanny um to spend time with them uh it's it's a lovely story about a father's love for his children and his desperate need to want to be with them um i think it's a beautiful tale i think robin williams is excellent um, Sally Field it, it's a great role for her um, playing his ex-wife um, there's some hilarious moments there are reveals when um, his children find out that he's a man um, and not Mrs Doubtfire um, yeah I, I just think it's a beautiful film I've got a lot of fond memories from uh, when I was a child and I think it deserves at least number seven on our list. So, Anna, what say you on Mrs. Dapfire? Hi. Um, yeah, I agree. I've always liked Mrs. Dapfire. It didn't make my top five, but it was definitely hovering around the six, seven, eight mark. Um, I've not watched it in years, but I know whenever I mention the film to people, you know, there's a lot of love out there. Um, and obviously Robin Williams, how can you not yes. like a film with him in? Um, and it's, you know, it's heartfelt, it's sweet. Um, there's some really 
charming moments. So yeah, it gets my vote totally. Nice one. Chris? Yes, absolutely. Yes, I thought so. That is three. We have rounded out this list. We've got seven films. Mrs. Datfire's made it on. John, would it have made it for you? Uh, yes, it would. Uh, even the X-rated uncut version that has never been released. Uh, the, one, the one where he threw a real pineapple at Pierce Brosnan's head. The, <laughs> nice. uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt, Mrs. Datfire. We lost Matt. Matt, you're on mute. Hello. 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 Sorry. Yeah, Hello. Sorry. Hello. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I love anything Robin Williams is in. Um, but uh, I would have gone for something like Touch the Above This. Um, I'll be honest. Okay. Well, <clears throat> so, no, it has made the list. But, um, exactly. Uh, but uh, while we're there, we've got our seven. But. Honourable mentions, Matt, you've just mentioned the other movie that was um, on my uh, list of the two that I said were above Shakespeare in Love, and that's Tootsie. Um, I watched it yesterday as well. First time I've ever seen Tootsie. I was very, very impressed. Um, I, I, I thought it was a, it held up very well from a film back then. It uh, does, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I laughed. I I, 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 I am understood the motivations of the character. I, I, I thought it was a, a very good film and potentially one that could have made this list. Um, yeah, I Chris? Mm, well, look, we've got list? three people to say. Look, three people. Oh. Well, I, I'd say that as well. I think with three are people we, we need... I think it needs to go on there. Yeah, I do. Is, okay. this the, is this the Black Hawk Down scenario? Nomination. What say you, John? Tootsie as well? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably put it on as well. Okay. Um, so again, we've done this again with this Black Hawk Down and it actually made our final list. So Did, did we get a, a Chris yes? Did we get a yes from Chris? Tootsie is my number four. Ah, it, so was it, my, been, yes. it was my yeah. number four as well. So um, so there we go. So Pitch perfect it, performance from Dustin Hoffman. How good was that performance? So good. Yes. So good. So, it suffers from so the same problem though. From the same problem as... Um, some like it hot, where he's always trying, he's trying to connive his way into the pants of, yeah. uh, of another woman, mate, yeah. which is a bit dodgy when you think yeah. about it. It is, but then I think he has a realization towards the he end. Does. He so does, he does, and and, and, and there's a lot of understanding of the toxic Hollywood workplace nature that that was yeah. way way ahead of its time. It really was um, with the, with the with the director of the um, of the um, the hospital uh, drama. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Get well, there you go. So worthy of a top five. I don't know why. Yeah, definitely. So there we go. So from our five of us collectively, we've added an eighth film on this list. So we now have eight. Uh, Chris, any other honourables for you? Tootsie was my only uh, missing one. Okay, doke. John. Um, a quick mention for a film called Flawless. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, as a uh, as a drag as a drag queen who helps uh, Robert De Niro's um, uh, security guard after he's had a stroke um, to regain his voice, help him uh, regain his voice and everything. Uh, that that's worth a look. Uh, Matt, I'll, I would also suggest the skin I live in. Yeah, because actually, yeah. it is 
it is so black yeah um and twisted and um simply because it's got such great performances from the three uh well at least two of the three leads to Wong Fu thanks for everything Julie Newmar Patrick Swayze is delightful he's a joy okay um Matt have you got anything on the uh, yeah, the skin, skin I live in, uh, as John mentioned, Pedro Almodovar. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's a very easy film to dislike, and it really isn't for everybody. And I will put a warning out there that it's quite difficult to watch. Not in the sense of uh, a boys don't don't cry, which is difficult in a different way. This is just challenging in in, in its notions of uh, I suppose. Um, oh God, identity. <laughs> identity i mean you know you could layer the themes off here morality yeah uh you know uh, uh genetical ethics uh mental illness isolation gender sexuality revenge obsession all that sort of stuff but it really is if you like anything like cronenberg uh body horror or anything like that then um then this revisionist kind of like um it, it's it's very impenetrable and it's it, it's tough watch in a different type of way but i think thematically it's it is a again it's another one of those films that's a bit of a film school wet dream to use a yeah. pretty terse term um but brilliantly played by all very bravely played it's very european in its sensibilities there's a, there's a lot of nudity which perhaps isn't necessary um it, it, you know that you've it's totally got that male gaze um from a directorial point of view um but i think it might might need it for this I, I don't know because it wouldn't work otherwise um because it is about these um i i, I don't even want to spoil it you have to see it because there's a massive twist in it that is um, okay. it's fairly scary <laughs> uh, in in the sense that it, it's it's it will weird you out but the skin i live in it's spanish so prepare yourself to read subtitles Okay. Anna, anything missing um, that you want a quick honourable? I mean, I definitely think the skin I'm in, I mean, that was quite an emotional curveball. I couldn't understand, I couldn't work out how it qualified for this podcast. And then when I did realise, I nearly had to go make myself a cup of tea and have a sit down. And I was already lying down watching it. I mean, it was, yeah. it was full on. Um, but my God, it stayed with me. And, um, and I did stay, I, you know, I watched it to the end. And I, I liked it despite the first hour absolutely hating it um okay. but it was well worth staying with so yeah creepy shocking yeah it is weird and settling but it's, it's one, something weird yeah it's weird one i and... have seen but have been meaning to so um yeah you've I, sold spoil it. It. I mean i couldn't even describe yeah. half of it i mean it's too you need another hour um but yeah, <laughs> it's a non it's non-traditional horror isn't it it's, yeah. there's no blood it's a non-traditional yeah. horror so you know just just Psychological. Go into yeah, it's everything that you want in a film, but maybe into like it's just a very lot. cold, a very lot, glacial, you know? isn't it? Very It's very. It's a very glacial film. It's it's tough to enjoy. Yeah, I, I didn't enjoy it. I was riveted. Um, yeah, scribbled with it at certain points. Definitely, definitely a definitely a, fi a filmic film, isn't it? Cinematic yeah. film in the sense that it's not uh, about woman know. on the verge. I mean, I definitely <laughs> was watching. That. Yeah, I mean, Pedro Almodovar is, yeah. is, is a great director to get into if you want to watch some films of his. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the only one that's missing for me is probably, um, uh, the, well, well, it, it wasn't in my top five, but it, it was.
it's closer on the cusps and it has a lot of nostalgic value and it's possibly one of those musicals that Chris was referring to that he hasn't included and that's the Rocky Horror Picture Show um, for its cult iconic status um, I can remember being shown the time warp and sweet transvestite um, at a very young age and dancing around my living room um, and then not really watching the rest of the film until much older um, and having a very weird experience going to see it at the cinema um, with a lot of very big massive fans of the Rocky Horror Picture Show um, I didn't understand why I was given some lip gloss and a newspaper as I walked into the cinema <laughs> screening um, until I was watching it and everybody put their newspapers above their head at exactly the right moment and everybody shouted bitch very loudly when Susan Sarandon came on the screen. Um, uh, it's, so it, it weirded me out and my friends who I took along to see the film who had never seen it before at all. Um, but I think it was one that uh, potentially could have made this list, uh, The Rocky Horror. Um, Can I just say one more quickly? I won't talk about it um, because I, I didn't watch it, but I, I'm surprised no one's mentioned it. Um, I never got around to watching it myself. It was Transamerica. Oh, yeah. Did, did, did anyone I, see that? I, ha I have seen it a long while ago, but I can't remember enough about it that it clearly didn't impact me enough, which is yeah, why. Felicity I, Huffman. Yeah. yeah. Felicity Huffman was so good. Like a woman playing a man playing a woman is no mean feat. And uh, mm. she did it yeah. really well. I mean, she's it's such a. I really, God, you really go through it with her. You really felt for her. She was just doing her best. Um, yeah. like, like the character was just, had so many setbacks along the way and you just want it to all work out. For, I really actually loved Transamerica. I thought it was a beautiful film. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that one. Yeah, honest. really, really good. Well, uh, this probably should be on the list, but there's so many. It's so somehow, many. somehow we've actually ended up with eight films on the list and we've got a little bit of down to five. Um, so I'm going to remind you, we have Tangerine, Priscilla Queen of the Desert, The Crying Game, Sun Like It Hot, Boys Don't Cry, Shakespeare in Love, Mrs. Doubtfire, and now Tootsie. Um, Anna, which is the least deserving to be on this list of those eight movies? Oh, gosh. Um... They're all deserving. Um, only because I've not seen it, I'm going to be a bit of a flake here. I'm going to say The Crying Game. Okay. Um, Chris, what comes bottom? Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in Love. Uh, John? Yeah, it's going to be Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in Love. Okay. Uh, Matt? Oh, um... It's, it's between Shakespeare and Love and Mrs. Doubtfire, so I'm going to go for Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. Um, out of fairness, I'm, I'm going to... I would have had to have picked um, one of the two films that I haven't seen. Um, and seeing as I've seen part of uh, Some Like It Hot, uh, I would have voted for Priscilla um, just because I haven't seen it, unfortunately. Which means that Shakespeare in Love with two votes gone off of this list um Anna's picked the crying game I've picked Priscilla um Matt has picked Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire so Chris what's your next least deserving because I haven't seen it uh, Tangerine Tangerine and John uh I'm going to uh, I'm going to agree with Chris actually 
Tangerine. Okay, Tangerine has gone off this list. We've got one more to remove. Um, Chris and John, because you both voted for Tangerine. It's you guys again. Uh, Chris, there's Priscilla, The Crying Game. Some, some Like It Hot, Boys Don't Cry, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Tootsie. Because it's uh, a hard watch and not um, what I would class as an entertaining film, uh, I'm going to say Boys Don't Cry. Okay. John? Um, I would say... Oh, God. Um, that time of night again. Um, actually, I'm going to say Tootsie. Tootsie, which is makes this a very difficult situation because uh, we've all five of us have voted for different films. So I need to go round again. Anna, yep. what is your yep. next least deserving? Um, so the list is Priscilla. Oh, I've got it already, Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, Mrs. Sorry, Doubtfire. I know it's a, uh, everyone loves it, but compared to the others. Eek. Okay, um, Chris, your next least, most least deserving, sorry. Okay, um, Mrs. Doubtfire, I'll break the deadlock. Okay, um, just a jump. Yeah, to be fair, it would it was either it was either Mrs. Doubtfire or I said Tootsie, so it was good. Yeah, to say so, Mrs. Doubtfire. And and then, well, I think we've got enough that says that Mrs. Doubtfire has gone. Um, so we have our top five films, and much like on our previous one. Tootsie has slid into the top five. Our top five gender swap movies in no order at the moment are Tootsie, Boys Don't Cry, Some Like It Hot, The Crying Game, and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Um, I voted for Priscilla. Anna's voted for The Crying Game. Chris voted for Boys Don't Cry. And um, ah. John voted for Tootsie. So, Matt, what goes at number five of that list for you? Oh, dear. Number five. <clears throat> yeah, it's got to be Boys Don't Cry. It's a great film, but it, for me, it's just not as entertaining as the others. No worries. So, number five of this week's list is Boys Don't Cry. Um, Chris and Matt, you voted there. So, Chris, what goes next for you? Crying Game. Crying Game. And Matt? Will you do me the biggest honour and tell tell me exactly what will be the Priscilla, the crying game, Tootsie, and some like it hot. Priscilla. Priscilla. So Priscilla has two. The crying game has two. John, which one is it out of those two? Oh, you... Priscilla. <laughs> Priscilla. Priscilla. Out of is, those two, it's Priscilla. Priscilla is number four on this list. Um, Anna's voted crying game. And uh, Chris has voted crying game. Uh, John's voted Tootsie. I am going to have to 
vote for Sun Like It Hot because I haven't seen it. So, Matt? Crying Game. Crying Game. There we go. The Crying Game is number three on this week's list. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to ask for your number ones now. What is the best movie? Is it Tootsie or is it Some Like It Hot? Um, Anna? Okay. Um, controversially, maybe, because um, uh, it's Tootsie. It's, I watch it every year. Whenever it's on TV, I'll shove it on. I adore it. Um, okay. that, Tootsie. Tootsie for number one. Um, Chris? Some like it hot. Some like it hot. John? Some like it hot. <laughs> Matt? Oh, you know my answer. Some like it hot. They're both um, very similar, and I'm so glad they're both up there. Mm. I, I would have gone to see, but only because I haven't seen Some Like It Hot, but it doesn't matter. Um, Some Like It Hot is our number one. So this week's list, going down, number five, Boys Don't Cry. Number four, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Number three, The Crying Game. Number two, Tootsie. And our number one movie, Some Like It Hot. Play the music. There we go. Well, thank you very much, guys. Um, Incredible. That was, that was our gender swap <laughs> episode. Um, Anna, thank you for joining us. Um, anything you'd like to say? Uh, no, it was um, thoroughly enjoyable. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you for thank you for being Thanks part of Thanks for coming along. It's been fun. It's been fun. Yes. Matt, anything to add on the end there? No, you know me, usual. Um, just please take all those suggestions and uh, if you fancy them, look them up, watch them, um, enjoy them. If you don't enjoy them, then come back next week and see if you find any more that you like. Indeed. Chris? I'm sure we haven't, uh, sorry, just, I'm sure we haven't right. done this subject uh, we've tried our best i'm sure we have but i'm sure there are there, it's a t it was a tough subject i'm sure there's more films out there that we may have missed um but you know we 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 we've we've hopefully done 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 our best and 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 it, there are some great films in there as well uh, that was a roundabout way of saying you know we've tried our best indeed uh chris anything on the end there um uh, no um just please uh keep listening and uh if you have any suggestions for topics uh we are all ears indeed indeed john um when this goes up um i will post a list of, that we've kind of been using as a guide for films around this genre um i'll post those to our social medias which we are at five on film podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, we're going to um, try and get one or two uh, initial reviews up for films that have just come out of the cinema. Um, we'll also, uh, I'll also try and find the film you really do not want to see, <laughs> which I think we may have already found this for this subject. Um, and uh, basically, yeah, please get in touch with us because if you get in touch with us, we know what we what you want. So we can do that for you.
Um, if you if you're using uh, iTunes, please five stars. Give us a review. Tell us you don't like us. Uh, don't agree anything. Please get in touch with us uh, so that we can actually go on and do this more. This is this is this is a um, this is a love for us lot, and uh, we'd like to know that you guys like it too. Indeed. Uh, well said. I, well said. Echo all of that. Um, yes, the, those those socials are open. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we've got musicals coming up but potentially another guest episode in between. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, and hopefully we, we might be on YouTube as well soon. Um, so we shall see along those lines. Uh, thanks for listening and see you soon. All views expressed in this podcast are that of the individual and do not represent the views of any entity whatsoever which they have been or will be affiliated with in the future.